0: Good morning. My name's Mark and I'm the pastor here at Union Church. What a joy it is to be with you and to worship our great God with you this day. Uh, Today we're going to be continuing in our sermon series on the gospel of Mark. We're going to be continuing in Mark chapter 6. We'll finish up that chapter today. And um, last week we looked at how with only a charcuterie board of bread and fish, Jesus fed thousands, and today we're going to find the story of Jesus walking on water, Jesus walking on water. So grab a Bible or you can look on the screens behind me and we are going to read Mark chapter 6 verses 45 through 56. Listen now for God's word to us today. Mark writes, Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples they were straining at the oars because the wind was against them shortly before dawn he went out to them walking on the lake he was about to pass by them but when they saw him walking on the lake they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they they all saw him and they were terrified immediately. He spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Genesaret and anchored there as soon as they got out of the boat people recognized Jesus they ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was and wherever he went into villages or towns or the countryside they placed the sick in the marketplaces and they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, this morning we now invite you to speak to us, to pour into us, for indeed the understanding of your word makes wise the simple. And we need understanding. We need your wisdom. We need your light today. Father God, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, Lord, would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, that they would bring you joy. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Exhaustion, weariness, fatigue, it happens to all of us at some point or another. Am I right? We've all experienced that at one time or another. Sometimes it happens to us on account of our own foolishness, right? Maybe we burn the candle at both ends or we stay up too late at night. Uh, Sometimes exhaustion is, it happens to us on account of our faithfulness, on account of doing what God's called us to do. And, And here in this text, we we see the disciples have been faithful. They have been going, and they have been doing what the Lord has called them to go and to do. They were sent out on a mission trip, two by two, on their own, to do the, the ministry of Jesus. Um, they, they've now witnessed Jesus teaching and preaching to this this great crowd in this desolate place and then feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. But now, they are tired. They are exhausted. And and their exhaustion is, is a function of their faithfulness, of doing what God had called them to do. Now, maybe you can relate to that. For moms and dads of young children. Maybe you can relate to that. Finding that balance between working and family life and caring for young ones um, to, to those who work in demanding career fields. Maybe you can identify with that. Trying to find the right patterns to sustain you Uh, For some of you, you work in ministry or mission and, and it's something where you're constantly pouring yourself out for others and it can lead to fatigue and burnout. For students, you know, students are exhaustively going from deadline to deadline to deadline in pursuit of completing the academic year or earning that degree. And it can all be exhausting. And inevitably, you know, inevitably, we're all different. We all have different circumstances of our lives. We all have different responsibilities. And so, you know, how we experience these things may be very different, but, but our responsibilities very much can lead us to a place of fatigue and exhaustion that impacts our our mind, our body, and our will. So, what do we do? What do we do? Well, this text this morning, it reminds us in those moments of fatigue or exhaustion that more than anything, we need Jesus. Come on, amen? Amen. Right? More than anything, we need Jesus in those moments. And here in the text, we see Jesus presented as God's agent of encouragement to those who are tired, to those who are struggling, to those who are exhausted. And really, all that we have to do is to receive from Him. He has what we need. So, how is Jesus to be of encouragement to us? as we are struggling or as we are weary in this world? Well, a couple of thoughts on that this morning. The first is this, that Jesus intends to encourage you by drawing near to you in the struggle. He wants to encourage you by drawing near to you as you struggle or as you're tired or as you're exhausted or as you're burned out, right? Let's look to verse 48 from the text. This is um, Jesus has gone up on a mountain to pray. And then in verse 48, he, he saw from the mountaintop over the, the lake or the Sea of Galilee, he saw the disciples. They were straining at their oars because the wind was against them. So, uh, and then shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. And he was about to pass them by. I find this fascinating. You know, it just says, Jesus just went walking on the lake like it's just the most normal thing in the world. Right? Walks out there by them. Um, so the disciples are in their boat. They're facing a headwind. And apparently it is quite a, quite a tremendous headwind. So much so that they just cannot make it to the other side. And you know, this is a group um, with some fishermen in it. People who have probably spent a a great deal of time on this very body of water and in boats, perhaps like the one they are in. Yet, in this moment, they cannot find their way through. They are making no progress. They're stuck. Maybe you felt that way before, like you were stuck, right? You're you're doing what you think you need to be doing, but you're making no progress. So in the text, um, it's 3 a.m. in the morning. That's some, some, some translations will say it was the fourth watch of the night when Jesus saw them struggling. That's 3 a.m. in the morning. And it's after this long and exhausting week of, of ministry. And in that very particularly... Intense day of ministry with the feeding of the crowd and, and it's dark and they are tired and they are making no progress, getting nowhere. And so what does Jesus do? You know, well, he just casually comes to them walking on the sea. Um, he, he comes to them. He draws near to them just as he intends to draw near to you. When, when you are struggling, when you are in the midst of the storm, he intends to, to draw near to you. He's not just going to watch you from afar, but he's going to draw near to you. Now, now there's something, something else going on here. It says he came to them walking on the sea, but that he came near to them, but he intended to pass by them. Now, is Jesus just being cruel here? I don't think so. I don't think he's just coming near so he can like see the strain on their faces, right? Um, but something else is going on. Um, Mark, Mark's trying to show us, throughout his gospel, Mark, he's trying to show us who Jesus is by his actions, by what he does. Here, he's walking on the water. That's telling us something. He's drawing near to them. That's telling us something else. Mark's gospel, of course, we've seen it's very action-oriented. The action drives forward. This story, we've seen, I think, two times in this text, that word immediately, which comes up over and over again in Mark to drive forward the narrative. And, and as we zoom out a bit on this particular story, I think we get a little more perspective on what's going on. Um, verse 46, to go back to verse 46, it says, after, after Jesus put the disciples in the boat, and then he left, dismissed the crowd, and he leaves, and then it says he goes up on a mountainside to pray. Now, on the one hand, that's just something he did. But on the other hand, this is very typical behavior of the prophets of God to find themselves up on a mountaintop, right? There are many stories in the Old Testament of God's prophets who in moments of exhaustion or frustration, they they find themselves on a mountain. A couple of examples. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses he is particularly exhausted. He has brought God's people out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness. And you know what he realized? At that point, he realized that this was a very, a very hard-hearted and, and stiff-necked people. Right? I guess he didn't realize this before, but now he's stuck in the wilderness with a stiff-necked hard-hearted people, and he is exhausted. And so he goes up on the mountain, and he says to God, basically, I don't want to go forward unless you are with us. And then God basically says, I will be with you. And then God, in that moment, God tucks Moses in the cleft of the rock. And then his presence passes before or passes by Moses. And in bringing his presence near to Moses, that rejuvenated Moses in a way that he could then, he could then, uh, well, his faith literally shone, and then he came down off the mountain. And he was able to fulfill his ministry. Another example from the Old Testament, um, similar situation. 1 Kings 19, this is the prophet Elijah. Prophet Elijah has been contending. He has been contending for the Lord. He's had a big showdown with, uh, with all the priests of, of Baal. And he's won. He's had a big victory. And, and it seems like you know, a high point for his ministry but then if you remember the story, there's this evil queen, Jezebel, right? And she doesn't like him. And she wants him dead. She wants him gone. And, and so this kind of has the effect of deflating Elijah. It kind of takes all of the wind out of his sails, right? You ever heard it said, like, you know, like it takes about, you know, it takes about 10 You know, compliments or praises to make up for like one negative thing. So I guess that's what's going on with Elijah here. He's had all this good stuff happen, and now like this one kind of bad thing really deflates him. And essentially, he finds himself in maybe what we would call a spiritual depression. And he wanders up a mountain and sits down. God gives him rest, God gives him food, he sleeps. But Elijah wakes up and he's still exhausted. And so what does God do? Well, the the Bible tells us that in that moment, God came down and and he passed by Elijah. His presence passes by Elijah. Now, it's not in an earthquake. It's not in a, a, a fire. But the Bible tells us that God's presence passed by Elijah as a still, small voice. And just that, even that still small voice, that presence of God, it rejuvenated Elijah in such a way that he came down off of the mountain and he was ready to fulfill his ministry. Jesus here in our text this morning, he too goes up to the mountain. He was probably exhausted as well, the intensity of ministry. He goes up to the mountain to pray, to spend time with the Father. Totally makes sense. He's acting, he's basically acting like one of the prophets. But when he comes down off the mountain, he's going to, like the Lord did to Elijah and to Moses, he's going to pass by, his presence is going to pass by these weary disciples struggling against the wind. So he goes up on the mountain, he looks kind of like Elijah or Moses, and he comes down off the mountain, and he's not anything like them. He comes down off that mountain like God. And he draws near to his men. And he's going to show them exactly who he is. Right, And friends, Jesus doesn't want to just be your prophet. Jesus doesn't want to just be your motivational speaker. He may be those things, but ultimately he wants to be your God. Because in your struggle you need more than a motivational speaker. In your struggle, you need more than an inspirational guru. You need the very presence of God with you. But the very presence of God draws near the disciples. And I know this will be a shocker. But they just don't get it. They don't get it, right? So what does Jesus do when he draws near to us? And like the disciples, we don't get it. What what does Jesus do when he seeks to reveal himself to us and we're unable to see it? Well, that brings us to kind of our second main point today. Jesus intends to encourage us by speaking life into your struggle, Right? Not only being present, but speaking life. So from the boat, the disciples see Jesus walking on the sea, and it, instead of encouraging them, it freaks them out. Right? They think it's a ghost somehow walking on the water. And, and so Jesus then responds, verse 50 says, Immediately he spoke to them, and he said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. So he's encouraging them. Be encouraged. Take heart. Right. When Jesus reveals himself, it's not to intimidate us. It's not to scare us. It's not to freak us out like it did the disciples here. But it's to encourage us. And when Jesus draws near to us, it's not to wag his finger at us. Oh, you should have done something different. Look how exhausted you are. No, no, it's, it's to encourage us and to empower us for ministry. And in this case, how does he do it? Well, he encourages them by speaking life into their struggle by saying, It is I. Now again, this harkens back to Old Testament language. Even all the way back to Moses encountering God at the burning bush. And he said, I am. Who are you? I am. This is Jesus saying the same thing. And in fact, it's two Greek words. Words put together that both are words for I am, ego, and a me. And he's basically saying, I am who I am. This is the name of God. He's revealing this to his disciples. Imagine that. He comes off the mountain from praying. He walks across the water. He looks the men in the face and says, I am. He spells it out to them. He doesn't want them to be guessing. He doesn't want there to be any confusion. But he wants them to know exactly who he is. And in knowing exactly who he is, they should be fulfilled and equipped to to go out and to do their ministry. I mean, praise God. Praise God that he's willing to like spell it out for us in a very obvious way. He's not trying to scare us. He's not trying to confuse us. He's not trying to keep us guessing. But he wants us, and he wants them in this case, to know exactly who he is. So that he can give them everything they need to fulfill their ministry. Jesus' words to us today, and Jesus' words to them then, they are words of life. And they are words of encouragement. He means for you to be centered on Him as you may struggle or as you may go through the storm or the headwinds. He wants to focus you on Him in the struggle. Oftentimes, what we tend to do is to focus on The struggle in the struggle. And we lose sight of our Lord. He wants us to focus on Him. When we struggle, more than ever, we need to tune in the voice of God and the way that the voice of God is perfectly revealed to us today is in His Word. And so as we struggle, we turn to the voice of God in His Word and He will reveal Himself to us and He will speak life to us and He will encourage us us when we struggle that must be our practice to tune in the word of god the voice of god and to tune out all those voices of the world that we so quickly turn to right cable news tiktok twitter facebook all these things we so quickly turn to we need to tune out those negative voices and tune in the great i am that's what he wants to us for us that's how he speaks life and encouragement to us. So what we've seen so far is that Jesus inter- intends to encourage the disciples first by drawing near to them, just like, just like he did in the, the old, with the Old Testament prophets, drawing near to them. But the disciples don't get that. And then he seeks to encourage them by speaking very clearly to them that he is the I am. And they don't seem to get that either. And finally, we see that Jesus encourages them by joining them in their struggle. And friends, Jesus intends to encourage you by joining you in your struggle. So, he draws near to them, he intends to pass them by, they miss it. He speaks to them, they don't get it. Finally, he basically says, "Look, I'm not a stranger," right? And I'm going to jump into your boat with you. I'll be with you in this struggle. Now, remember, it wasn't their faithlessness that had led them to this moment. It wasn't because they had done something wrong that they found themselves in this point of exhaustion and struggle. In fact, it was on account of their faithfulness that they ended up in this place, right? They had done what God had called them to do, yet they found themselves stuck. Now, this part of the passage ends really strangely. Verse 52 says, They had not understood about the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. What didn't they understand about the loaves? I mean, they were there, right? I think the loaves were were meant in a way to reveal to them that Jesus really was God. Um, in, In those five loaves and two fish, Jesus is showing them that he is God and that at the end of the day, he is in control of all of the resources. They're all his. I mean, he can take a Lunchable, and he can feed these thousands of people. But he's not only showing them that he's the God who's in control of all the resources, but he's showing them that he's also the good shepherd who cares about their needs. Right? right? Last week in that text, he saw the crowd like sheep without a shepherd. And then he began to teach them many things. So he so he sees us as a shepherd sees his sheep and cares for his sheep. Even so, the disciples still kind of missed it. They didn't understand. Now you think, you would think that the disciples would have gotten it by now, right? They witnessed, they participated in this miraculous feeding. And you think up to this point, all the things that they have seen, I mean, they've seen, you know, the, the lame to walk. They've seen uh, Jesus calm the storm, calm the wind and the waves with with but a word. We've seen Jesus miraculously feed these thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. We've seen um, Jesus raise Jairus' daughter, that little girl, from death to life and many other things. I mean, you would think in seeing all of these things that that would have helped the disciples by this point to understand who Jesus really was and to understand these things and you know so you got to wonder like what would it take i mean if these were not enough what would it take what miracle would they need for their hearts to soften i mean would they need would they need Jesus to die and the answer is yes now maybe you think <clears throat> You're here today, and you say, well, pastor, I mean, if I had been there, if I had seen the five loaves and two fish to feed all of these people, if I had witnessed Jesus walk on water and these other things, I mean, I mean, I would have gotten it, right? But you know what? You might have. But the disciples were there, and they saw all these things. They experienced all these things, and they still didn't get it. So I don't know why we think we would have gotten it any better. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 2, he said, It's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. The cross was the ultimate miracle of God. In the cross, God put on display for all to see his kindness and the cross reminds us that we are so sinful we are so sin sick that we deserve to die but that we are so loved that he would take our place that's the miracle that's the miracle of the tender heart of God and in seeing his tender heart on the cross our hearts are likewise tenderized and at the same time the resurrection of Jesus should should light a fire in our belly right to be on mission with God it engages and emboldens us for his kingdom Friends, the cross shows us our value in the eyes of God and the resurrection stamps our victory. No wonder their hearts were hardened because it's the cross, which hadn't come yet, which is meant to soften us. So today, for all who are exhausted, for all who may be weary For you who may be here today and you need rest, find it in Jesus who draws near to you. Find it in Jesus who speaks life and encouragement to you. Find it in Jesus who will join you in the struggle. To all who are weary and need rest, find true life and true rest in the death, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time in your word, for these wondrous signs that we see displayed. We thank you that even though, like the disciples, we often struggle or find ourselves exhausted, even even on account of our faithfulness. We thank you that you are a God, even so, who draws near to us, who speaks life to us, who joins us even in the struggle. We are not alone. And so, Father, I find that we would find hope and life and light and salvation in you, the I am. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.